How do I know what I think until I see what I say? I'm your host, Jacob Goronsky, and welcome to From the Green Notebook, where we create leaders one podcast at a time. So if you don't feel like reading a blog today, then sit back and listen as we discuss some of the most important topics and talk with some of the most innovative leaders of today. So please subscribe and make sure you listen to these exclusive episodes. Today's episode is sponsored by Emblem Athletic, the best option out there for keeping your unit looking amazing with custom shirts, hoodies, and other gear. They're a veteran-owned business that specializes in making it easy for you. And if you've ever ordered unit gear, you know how difficult it can be. Emblem knows you have better things to do than design gear, collect money, and worst of all, sort through a bunch of shirts. Emblem takes care of everything, including, get this, free shipping worldwide. When it comes to something like a deployment shirt, you know you're going to have this for the rest of your life. So trust Emblem to deliver the best, guaranteed. Visit www.emblemathletic.com to get started with a free online store today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're listening from. And welcome to another episode of From the Green Notebook. So today, Joe and I are sitting down with Joe McCormick. He's the author of Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and Noise, Living and Leading When Nobody Can Focus. Joe's also a passionate leader, and he founded the Brief Lab in 2013, which you'll learn more about in today's podcast. He actively counsels military leaders and senior executives on effective, efficient communication. And he's also a fellow podcaster, and produces a series called Just Saying. Joe is an experienced marketing executive and a successful entrepreneur who is recognized for his work in narrative messaging and strategic communications. He received a BA in English literature from Loyola University of Chicago, where he also graduated with honors. And today, Joe's going to talk about some of those pitfalls to avoid when you're briefing, when you're speaking publicly, writing, emailing. And he's also going to go over some of the do's and don'ts of effective communication. Things that are of practical use for just about all of our listeners. So as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your support. We truly appreciate you continuing to subscribe and listen to From the Green Notebook. So please welcome to the show, Mr. Joe McCormick. Guys, thanks for having me on, Joe and Jacob. It's really great to be talking to you today. Absolutely, our pleasure. Why don't you just start off real quick and tell us about the Brief Lab, what it is, and, and how you found yourself doing it. Uh, the Brief Lab is uh, it's a specialty business that helps uh, people become clear and concise communicators. And one of the premiums in society today is being able to get to the point. There's a lot of clutter. There's a lot of information out there. So being able to get your point across quickly, it's pretty valuable. So I started a business to teach people how to do that. And I focus on really basically two groups of people, uh, people within the military, because I was asked by the military to develop this, these courses a number of years ago and also corporations. So when you created it, who, what audience did you have in mind? Well, it wasn't the audience that I had in mind. It was actually weird. I, I'm, my background is in brand marketing. So I worked for a big marketing agency in Chicago called Ketchum. And then I started my own agency called Sheffield Marketing Partners. And in 2011, I got a phone call from people at Joint Special Operations Command at Fort Bragg. And uh, they, they made a request to have uh, me develop a course and basically, the, the ask was to 
to make a briefing brief really was their ask. My, my, my specialty is in narrative messaging and um, branding, and I'm, I was really known for helping executives and senior leaders talk to investors, customers, employees, dealers. I would work with companies like MasterCard, Harley-Davidson, um, Granger, Microsoft, uh, brands like that. So somebody got my name down here at Fort Bragg made a phone call, called me, I started making trips down, and I discovered this huge unmet need, which is nobody is teaching people at a very, very high level, what do you have to do and avoid to get your point across? Joe, I, I, I went through your course and, uh, and then read your book, Brief, and, and Brief for me, the, the book itself has been, a, uh, has been a Bible that I've kept by my desk, and, and for those who've followed the blog for a while, uh, I, I've quoted the book and I've quoted you quite a few times. Um, one of the things that, that struck me in the course is you talked about the elusive 600. Could, could you talk about that for a minute? Yes. Yeah, so there was a, a woman, a consultant a number of years ago that explained to me this dynamic that it really, she gave a name to it called the elusive 600. And what the elusive 600 is, is the brain uh, processes at a rate of about 750 words per minute, consciously and subconsciously. But we as human beings speak at a rate of about 100 to 150 words per minute. The, so the way she explained it to me was, if you take 750 words processing mentally minus 150 words per minute, the spoken rate, you'll have 600 extra words floating on your head while you're talking, while you're listening. And for an attention-starved, divided attention economy, those 600 words can be all over the place. And one of the points of being a clear and concise communicator is to manage that elusive 600. Your audience is thinking many different things. How do, they, how do you get all of those words focusing on what you're saying versus, did I leave my iron on? And I've got to pick up my kids at school. And when is this guy going to be finished? Um, you know, like the movie Up, Squirrel, you know, that kind of all that moment, that all lives within the elusive 600. And it's something that we need to manage. So when you get those additional 600 words, I imagine that your brain is processing those as well. Do your biases come into factor when you start processing those words? There's a lot of things that come into effect. Um, it, it's confirmation bias, it's anxiety, it's uh, projection, it's nerves, it's imagination. There's a lot of things that you can be thinking about while you're listening and thinking about while you're talking. The point when we teach our class is that this is a reality for people and you, and you need to recognize that your audience doesn't, you don't have their undivided attention. In fact, if anything, you have their divided attention. So how you manage their attention, their elusive 600, is the difference between them hearing you or tuning you out. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that Jacob and I, we, we've talked about quite a bit is, you know, just when we've come out of meetings, that, that people just continue to, to drone on. Like, like, they don't even take into the, to the account the, the, the point of brevity. And so what, what are some things that people can do to get better at, at briefing? Well, I think one of the things is, is always thinking about your audience, right? It's not, I think what happens is when people communicate, they, they're thinking about themselves. How am I doing? Am I getting my points across? But they're not thinking, am I satisfying my audience? And one of the things about our audience today is that they're attention starved. They have a lot of things competing for their attention. So if you think, I mean, the people listening right now is, how many things are competing for your attention since the time you woke up this morning? And when you walk into a briefing or a conversation, people mistakenly think my audience is thinking about me and only me. That's not, that's not the case. It's never been the case, and it's never going to be the case. You have to win people's attention and manage it. 
And that's done intentionally. And the, the work that we do at the Brief Hub is teaching people in these high impact, high stakes conversations, don't assume people are paying attention. Make sure they are. That difference in people, it, it can be game changing. And people just don't see it that way. They're like, oh, I have a captive audience. They're sitting in the room. They're hearing what I'm saying. Ask them at the end to write down in less than 10 words what, they, what you said and, and look at the variability. You'll be really surprised by how little they actually took away. Well, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at how little sometimes the briefers actually pay attention as well, to your point, because I'm sitting in rooms when people are droning on, and I, I'm thinking to myself, how does this briefer not know that nobody in here is paying attention anymore, that he's lost the audience completely, as, as opposed to paying attention and, and being observant of the audience to see people's reactions, which is something you can't do in a podcast, so hopefully everybody out there is captivated and listening. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, and this is really when I when I started making trips from Chicago to Fort Bragg and working really primarily with people in the special operations community, what was interesting is I started asking the same question. And what I found was there was sort of an unstated expectation like, oh, you'll figure out how to do this. And, and yeah, and a lot of things people can figure it out, but in this case, it's kind of trial by error, um, you know, learn by doing over time. And I started asking people, like, has anybody ever taught you how to do this? Like, where I would, where I came from, if you were looking at, like, a, a mid-level manager, that person would never speak to the board of directors or the CEO of a company. But in the military, it happens all the time where a person is sort of a mid-level person is, is briefing somebody way, way, way higher in rank than they are. But nobody's ever really told them, do this, don't do that. What they do tell them is, figure it out. So what I found is... There's some rules that you need to follow that if you follow will help you get your point across. And if you don't follow them, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, there's some serious risks. One of those, one of those rules that, that you talked about are like the different levels of detail. And you said, you know, a mid manager briefing a senior leader. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we think that certain things are important um, to, to the person we're briefing, but that's not always the case, is it? If you think about like, if you think about a senior leader, one of the questions I get a lot from people in the military is why do they keep on asking me all these details? And I tell people to their surprise, they're not asking because they're interested. They're asking because they don't trust you anymore. So they're doing it because they're mitigating risk. They're going, they're, they're going into the weeds because they're lost themselves. So what, what, I, what we propose is there's sort of layers of detail. So level one is like the most essential detail and the shortest explanation. So let's say that a person goes on a, on a training trip. The leader will say, well, how was your trip? The person doesn't want to know, like, it rained 12 and a half inches and we drove 75.3 miles. Like, they don't need to know that information. What they need to know was we got the objective done, that we're, we, we got out a day early, and my recommendation is we should do that trip again. That's sort of, like, essential detail. What you want to avoid is, is the stuff in the short explanation that would be, like, in the full documentation. If they want to read it, they can. Give them the stuff that's highlighted. Right? Don't 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 go into the weeds immediately. And I think people don't even have that distinction. So their default is, well, I'm just going to tell you everything. I'm going to tell you how to make the watch. When the question was, what time is it? Yeah, one of the traps, I guess you could call it, that I also see a lot of people fall into is putting something in a brief or on a slide that they don't know what it is. And I would say 10 out of 10 times, if you don't know what it is, then the person that is is also receiving the brief may not know what it is, so they're always going to ask. So could you talk a little bit about 
you know, what are those important pieces of information that we need to be able to take out so um, a brief that is exactly that will still hit all of those points that your leadership or whoever you're briefing needs to hear? The, the key things, if you think about it, is it's what happens before it even starts. What, one of the issues that we struggle with today is that people are really busy and you're going from meeting to meeting thing to thing, people spend, you know, a third of their day in their inbox and in, in, in email is how much time do we actually dedicate to preparing for these moments? So if, to the point of like, okay, there's a slide, I don't know what it is. My question is, is, well, when you were preparing, did you skip that part? Like you didn't like, where do you, what time do you dedicate to preparing, um, getting ready for that moment? And it's, and what happens is people are so busy that they're like, well, I just don't have time. And my, and my, my counsel to, to your listeners is, you know, sometimes is better than no time. Look where you're exposed. You know, if you got a question, which what what question are you afraid of? You know, did did you give yourself a little extra time to get ready for the tough questions you might get? If you skip that step of preparation, you're exposing yourself, and 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 more importantly, your reputation here is if you do a bad job the first the first time, it, it might be okay, but the second time they may not trust you. The third time they might be asking somebody else the question. No, I think that's a great point. I think all it takes is once, if you're a briefer and, and you don't know the answer to a question or you, you know, in essence, have an error somewhere, then I think your credibility is gone right there. And to your point, the second time you brief, if you even get a second time to brief, they're not going to put as much stock into that information as they previously had. Yeah, so, so there's, there's a couple of things where the, the work that we do at the Brief Lab is based on the book Brief. And I just, I wrote a book recently came out last year called Noise. And the point of noise is really around managing distractions and disruptions and digital devices and all these sources of noise. And in the connection between those two books is that if you can't communicate concisely and clearly, you're creating noise for somebody. So if you're a leader and you're listening to a conversation and a person isn't really clear and intentional what they're saying, it sounds like that person like static. Well, think about when you're listening to the radio, you don't listen to static that long. You change the station. So if you want a person to tune in, you need to become very, very clear, consistently clear when you communicate. And most people are like, well, we'll see what happens. Now, you wouldn't do that when a person's shooting or dropping, you know, a, a target or like, you know, whatever that, whatever you do that with precision, you need to communicate with precision. It's super important. People don't. If you're not, you're, you're, you can very well be a source of noise to people. And one of the things that you and I have talked about before, Joe, is this idea of briefing empathy of, you know, you taught, some people are just going from meeting to meeting to meeting, and then you, you can't walk into a room and just kind of shoot from the hip. So the preparation is important. Um, how important is it to take others', others schedules, uh, you know, their day into consideration when you're giving a brief? It's extremely important. If you think about the empathy that you have to have, be that person for a minute. That person's drowning in information. And then you show up and they're, they're like, imagine they're, they're in a pool and they're drowning and you give them a cinder block. At that moment, what you need to be giving them is a lifeline, not a cinder block. And, and that empathy is missing. But the good news is if you do have empathy, you know, there's a book written, um, it's called The Elements of Style, and it's about writing. In point number 17 of The Elements of Style, is omit needless words. And the reason why they say omit needless words is if your audience is in peril, if they're drowning, don't give them more information. Give them less. 
And that empathy is, it, it's felt by your audience. So uh, the, the, a, a silly example is if you're, if you're going to do a briefing, for example, and you got 30 minutes, ask yourself, is there anything that I can do to make it shorter? You're not going to make it two minutes because that's too short, but you might be able to make it 20 minutes. Is there 10 minutes of material that you could take out so you can have Q&A or conversations? Anything. So I, I'm always thinking, what can I trim? What can I trim? What can I trim? Because the audience needs it. It's like, it's like carrying a rucksack. What weight can I take out of this thing, right? And that empathy goes a long, long way. People feel it. Just wanted to take a moment and thank our newest sponsor, Alpha Coffee Company. A veteran-owned business whose coffee is premium, 100% freshly roasted Arabica coffee. Since their founding, Alpha Coffee has donated over 18,500 bags of coffee to deployed troops. They also offer 10% military discounts and 10% discounts for subscriptions. So purchase their coffee today from their online store or via Amazon Prime. Joe, could you talk a little bit about retention? I know when we hear people talking and when we read, there's different rates of retention. I know that we retain information at the beginning of somebody speaking a lot more than the middle. And then at the very end, we seem to perk up again and listen to a lot of what they say. And I don't know the numbers. Could you share your your knowledge on retention and how we retain and how much information we retain? It, it's, a, it's a lot like comedy. So if you, th- you think about good comedy, the, the order of a, of, of, a, of a comedian's sketch or telling a joke, is very, it's very planned out. So they have an op- a strong opening. It's kind of a setup to the joke. They transition. They have a punchline. What, what happens when people miscommunicate is the order is wrong. So what, what people generally do is they put the conclusion at the end, and they're building towards the conclusion. Well, you guys in the military have this thing called bluff which is a brilliant acronym, bottom line up front. Well, the problem is, is people don't do that. They put the bottom line at the bottom. And I was thinking about this not that long ago. I'm like, if bluff spells bottom line up front, what does bottom line at the bottom spell? It spells blab. That might be the universe speaking back to you. So you don't end with your point. You start with your point. Once you've done that, you've set the conditions for the person to be able to retain. Because what happens is you're assuming they can be, they can follow you to the end. They can't. So you got to set up like a comedian, the beginning of the joke, three guys going to a bar. So now I got my setting. What happens in the bar? First guy does this. So there's a sequencing of that, that leads to an ending. And I think people get the, they get the order wrong. They don't, they, they need to lead with the bottom line first. That's not just in, in briefing. I mean, it, it's, in, it's in emails. It's in written communication, too. So like, how do we get better at that in emails? Well, if you think about it, it's, you get it in emails like, okay, where does, how am I managing the subject line? All right, that you're assuming they'll open it because they have to open it. Well, if a person gets 50 to 100 emails a day, they're not going to open your email. And I, I've had countless conversations with people like, why, why, why are they not responding to my email? Like, wh- what happened? And they're blaming their audience. It's like, no. What did you put in your subject line? Follow up. Like th- it doesn't say anything. You know, th- this, it should be so first in your subject line. What, what am I asking for? What am I, what, what's the point of my email? That's an email. W- what about another moment, which is, you know, like you have to give a person an update. Okay. Well, the person says, how's it going? And you're like, good. Well, that's telling them nothing. Is it, is it going really well? Why? And if it's going poorly, why? But this sort of middle of the road, vanilla, you know, bland answer, that's an update. What about if you're having a tough conversation with a person who has a performance issue? 
you need to say that first, like your lack of punctuality is killing morale or whatever. So you want to be leading first with the most important thing. And, and for people, they're afraid of doing that because, you know, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. Well, you don't have time. The, your audience is too, the elusive 600 alone is enough to kill you. Your audience is just going to change the channel. If it starts, if it starts sounding like static to your audience, if it starts sounding like noise, they're going to change the channel, even if they're still sitting in the room. So it's not just a briefing. You're right. It could be an email. It could be an update. It could be you pitching an idea, making a recommendation, doing a drive-by. All of these are moments where you can succeed or fail, but you have to have a plan. So how do you, I know in an email, obviously you can't determine whether you still have your audience or not, but what are some points that you look for to, to ensure that you still have your audience or things that you look for to know that you don't? After you've written the draft, read it like you're a busy person. And ask yourself this question, would I want to read it? I mean, look at it. I just got, I got an email this morning and it was just a block of text. The sender had no empathy for, the, for, for me. I look at this and I'm like, there's no way I could read this because it's so densely packed. There's no spacing. There's no bullet points. The subject line says nothing. The person didn't write it like they wanted to get it. It's the same thing with food. If you, make food like you would want to eat it. And, and people don't do this with communication. They, 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 they serve it cold and tasteless and they, and they expect people to like it. I've seen that too with a lot of the, the, the submissions we get to the blog. You know, th- there'll be a paragraph that's like 15 lines. And, you know, I, I found that readers will read like maybe the first two lines and then, and then jump down to the next paragraph. And so getting people to, to break their paragraphs up, um, short, punchy paragraphs, um, and, and I see it, I, I'm sure you get a, a lot of times in emails as well. Yeah. I mean, you look at it, like the, the, one of the biggest problems with writing, if you specifically talk about writing is the biggest problem with writers, they start is that they start writing. Be, writing is not to write. Writing first starts with thinking. Okay. Who am I talking to? What do I want to say? Um, what am I asking for? How much time you're thinking? If, for, for a simple thing that people never think about is when I'm sending the email, is it good for me or is it good for you? So people will be like sending emails out. Why are people sending a ton of emails on Friday afternoon? Because they're getting enough their to-do list. The problem is the commander's emails filled with emails on Friday afternoon he doesn't read. So I might send that email to him on Thursday morning or Monday, you know, Monday morning versus Friday afternoon. So the timing could be wrong. So then you think, and then you start organizing an outline. Then you start to write. Well, what people do is they just grab their keyboard and they start typing. Here's why that's a problem. Once you start writing, you get attached to it. Well, if it's bad, you don't want to get rid of it. So in editing, which is the next step in writing, is you have to edit and then rewrite. Is people are like, well, I don't want to edit because I wrote it and I liked it. Well, you get attached to it. So in, 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 uh, in writing circles, they call this killing off your darlings. These are sentences that you write that you fall in love with that you're like, well, I have to say because it sounds good. Yeah, but it doesn't help the reader. So you need to think first, organize, then write. We call this the tower method. Think, organize, write, edit, rewrite. Of those five steps, only two of them are writing. So that, that's, that's a, a big problem with emails is people just start typing on the thing and texting is even worse. When I first started my current position, I worked with a gentleman who really taught me a lot about how to write to your audience because I would use a lot of those phrases and, and I would write these sentences and I would say, what do you mean take that out? It's a beautiful sentence. It sounds great. And he would say, yes, but you can write that 
you know, 15 word sentence in eight words and that's what you should do. Or you should combine it with this sentence. And, you know, he would take my two or three page papers and a lot of the times get it down to one. And that's what he used to tell me. Hey, we need this on one page, one page, and then we'll submit it. So here, so here's a, to your point, here's a, a simple thing that your listeners can do to help them become better writers. Just look at something you've written and then you write it out. Let's say it's like to your point, like 15 words. Ask yourself this question, what am I trying to say? Say that and then write that. So what happens is, is people write and they want it to sound interesting. I just uh, edited, my nephew is making an application to go to grad school and I read his application and it was not good. And when I was reading it, what I was, what I was hearing him try to say were much, much shorter points. But he didn't say it shorter because he, he thought it's, it has to sound good. So the, the exercise is read it and ask yourself, what am I trying to say? And then say that and then write that. And again, like we keep coming back to this idea of empathy is, is putting yourself in the reader's shoes or putting yourself in the person who's sitting on the other end of the conference table and, and, and get outside of yourself when you're, when you're doing these things. It's not about you. It's about your audience. Always. It always has been. It always will be. Communicating is always about your audience. Are, am I giving them what they need in order to make a decision, to respond. Um, am I giving them that? And people get stuck in their head and it's like, get out of your head. You're not, this isn't about you. This is about the person you're talking to. And that I think for people is, uh, it's an entirely different way of looking. It's a much better way of communicating. One of my problems, one of my issues is not empathy, but it's courtesy. When I write an email or something, I want to make sure I'm being courteous, especially if I'm writing an email to someone who's in my uh, leadership chain. So essentially, I end up throwing in too many words because I want to make sure that I sound respectful and courteous instead of just saying, this is what I need or this is what you requested. And it's a bunch of fillers there. Any advice on how to prevent that or any advice on how to deal with that issue? I mean, the intent of being courteous is there's nothing bad with that. The, the, the issue is, and, and people feel like, well, if I start trimming it down, I'm going to sound blunt. There's a balance. There's a balance. So one of the things that I, I suggest to people is almost treat it like a game. Like, okay, I only have 50 words and I'm at 55. How can I make five words? I'm not trying to make it from 50 to, to 10. I want to cut five words out. Could I, is there five words in this thing I can cut out? Can I say the same thing a little bit more? A, a little bit more directly than than this more kind of roundabout way. And if you can, great. And if you can't, then, you know, go with what you got. So one of the approaches to that that, that you teach in the course, and it's also included in your book brief, is this idea of a brief map. And I, I know the listeners may have a hard time visualizing it, but could you just talk about kind of like what that process is? Yeah, yeah. So one of, the, one of the processes that all good communicators do is they create outlines. Now, a, a brief map is 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 very. It's a fancy way of saying a visual outline. So if you imagine like just eva- imagine a blank piece of paper, and in, on the piece of paper you draw c- circles or, or like sort of geometric objects. And this like so in the middle you got a central circle. That's your main idea. Okay, so let's say that you're 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 going to communicate something. What is the most important thing? The main idea, and then you put that in the middle. And then around it you'll have some lines and bubbles around that. What are some of the support ideas? Okay, well, who do I do that, or or why am I doing that, and how am I going to do that, and in where, and in and, and what's the impact if I did that, and you start to outline, and then underneath that you might have layers of what I call level two and level three detail. What you're doing is you're creating an outline. 
But instead of it being a linear outline, it's a visual outline. And a lot of research indicates that people, for different reasons, a visual outlining, like they call this mind mapping, is sort of the, the larger thing that people do, is drawing pictures is a way for people to visualize what they're trying to say and most importantly, organize it. Because what the audience needs is it to be organized. When you're listening to something which is disorganized, it forces my elusive 600 to do extra work because it's like putting the bicycle handles on backwards. It still sort of works, but it's not optimal. So organization becomes critical and outlines. In this case, a brief map is a visual outline, becomes very powerful ways of organizing information before I start communicating. What are some of your top don'ts when it comes to communication? Um, one of them is don't fall in love with your voice. Um, don't include information which is irrelevant. Um, don't skip preparing. Um, don't rush. Those would, be, those would be a few. Anything else you want to hit on, Joe? Um, I mean, I would just I would encu- I would encourage your, your listeners to to evaluate without without beating themselves up this this issue that that you and Joe brought up about empathy and like am, do I really am I do I care about my audience enough to prepare more do I care enough about my audience to say the most important thing first do I care enough about them to try to make it shorter because people are time pressed they're mind pressed got a lot going on and we can alleviate that if we're more empathetic so I would I would just encourage audience to think am I being an empathetic briefer and I think that could go a long way to try to make it tighter, you know, m- more pointed. Anything that you can do could make it better. Joe, thank you so much for, for taking the time out of your day and, and coming on our show and talking to Jacob and I. And um, I, I just have to say, for, for those of you that are you know, thinking about submitting to the blog or have submitted in the past and have noticed that you know, through our editing process, we cut the stuff down, it, it's because we've got Joe's book brief. Um, sitting right next to us. And so I just got to say thanks again, Joe, for for one, teaching the course, but but two, writing that book. And and anybody can pick it up. It's available anywhere. And um, it, it's really helped me with my writing um, over the last few years. Thanks, guys. Yeah, in the interest of being brief, we're going to go ahead and end it there. So thank you again to all our listeners for joining us on another episode of from the green notebook check us out at fromthegreennotebook.com where you can download past episodes read some of our previous blog posts and sign up for our monthly reading list and sunday email if you enjoy the podcast so far please subscribe and give us five stars on apple podcasts and follow us on twitter at ftg notebook as well as instagram and facebook you can find us by just searching from the green notebook so this is jacob garonsky signing off and hope you tune in to our next episode.